0: Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett and this is episode number 53 of the podcast. And today we are going to preview the San Francisco 49ers week 9 matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. It's a huge game for the Niners, huge game for the Cardinals. Again, it means a little more for the Niners. A couple key players could be active for San Francisco. A couple key players could be out on Sunday for the Cardinals, also going to talk about the Niners making a trade at the trade deadline. Brandon Ayuk got an update on where he's at in his progression and also what may have been the cause of, I don't want to say him being in the doghouse, but maybe him uh, not playing as much, not seeing the playing time with the targets, you would assume from a former first-round pick. But to begin today's show, we have to kind of start at the point where everyone's talking about in the Niner community And that is Odell Beckham Jr. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. was traded to the Cleveland Browns prior to the 2019 season from the New York Giants. A lot of things went into him being traded from New York. A lot of issues on and off the field. Again, no legal issues really, but character issues uh, the the video of him in the bedroom I think was in France with the white substance again never got confirmed as what that was we had the infamous New York Giants receiver boating trip prior to their uh, playoff game against the Packers where they just kind of crapped the bed and it just kind of went all downhill from there Giants then brought in a new regime Dave Gettleman became the GM and said I'm not going to trade him then he said I'm going to trade him <laughs> Uh, and Odell Beckham found his way to Cleveland, and the Cleveland hype was real in 2019, which is why that game against the Niners in 2019, when they had Baker and Odell and Jarvis Landry at Levi Stadium, was such a big deal for the Niners at that point. You had a team in San Francisco who was trying to prove themselves with a healthy quarterback again in Jimmy Garoppolo, who at that point was coming off that awful... Uh, preseason game and the reports of practice where you threw five interceptions and everything was downhill and you're just like what's going on Niners start the year out 3-0 and after beating the Browns I believe it was Sunday night football or it was Monday night football I think it was Monday night football at Levi's Stadium both had a few sacks he planted the flag at Levi's which Baker did well he was OU to his Ohio State Buckeyes but getting back to Odell Beckham His tenure in Cleveland thus far, really, it's hard to kind of uh, put a finger on exactly what's going on with Odell, because he's a great talent. We can all agree with it there. When he was in New York, the amazing catch he made, uh, the great uh, playoff game or, or late in the season victory against the Panthers, where him and Josh Norman, who ironically is now in San Francisco... We're going at it back and forth, a lot of penalties back and forth. Uh, he can give up big plenty of times for them in New York with Eli Manning as his quarterback. But his tenure in Cleveland ha- has definitely been something else. And it seems like they are currently going through the prerequisite of a breakup. Now, his first year there, over 1,000 yards, 14 yards per reception, a couple touchdowns, a good integration for a star receiver into a new system uh again baker's rookie season uh, in really a dysfunctional franchise kind of trying to uh, claw their way out of what has been a dumpster fire for decades that being the browns in 2019 drafted baker that year number one overall when it was supposed to be josh allen or sam Darnold or josh rosen and so it really was a pretty good start. He played 16 games, started 15 of those, was targeted over 130 times, which wasn't the most in his career, but it was more than it was in 2017 and 2018 in New York, so things were looking up for Odell. Now, 2020 and 2021, he played a total of 13 games thus far. Not great. (laughs) He's been targeted at that point, the last two years a total of 77 times again a total of 77 times in this year and last year combined that doesn't even match his his first year in Cleveland excuse me uh, the yards are down so far he's averaging or has totaled under 550 yards in his first or his last two years in Cleveland he has no touchdowns this year only had 3 last year And again, Odell is someone who you point to him and you say, you have all the physical talent in the world, but the not being targeted enough, the not being looked at enough in the offense, not being made a pivotal point in Cleveland's offense has seemingly come to a head with Kevin Stefanski, uh, Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, and it just seems like they are due for a breakup. Now, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, who we all know is infamous in the niner community of being a hater, has reported that Odell Beckham Jr is expected to be released on Friday. Uh, at the recording of this podcast, it is Thursday, November 4th, so tomorrow morning when you're listening to this, he could be released. Uh, he will then be put on waivers. And at that point, uh, you down you, you then go down the waiver claim line. And the Niners are below teams like the Saints and Seahawks, uh, or excuse me, they are below the Seahawks, who are uh, one of the teams listed as a potential suitor for Odell. The Saints are below San Francisco, so the three suitors who have been listed are the Seahawks, Niners, and Saints. I would expect teams like the Ravens, uh, maybe even the Colts to a certain degree, knowing T.Y. Hilton's health issues. Maybe a team like the Chiefs who want to revamp that offense and get back on track. Again, plenty of teams will at least at least uh, look at Odell Beckham as a potential fit in their offense but i want to talk about Odell's fit in San Francisco now if the niners were to claim Odell Beckham off waivers they would be on the hook for his 8.05 million dollars this year 13.75 in 2022 and 2023 now granted those years are not guaranteed so technically it could be somewhat of a 1-year deal and again they can always restructure but of the teams that can can claim him and fit his salary in the books the Niners are not one of those teams it would indeed need a restructure to keep that salary on the books now there's two ways to look at this here one of them is Odell Beckham is a has a long history of maybe hinting at wanting to come to San Francisco Even in 2019, when we played them at Levi Stadium, which is why I mentioned it earlier, again, the Browns had plenty of hype around them. Uh, Didn't start the year off too hot, but plenty of hype. A lot of stars on that team. Uh, And Odell was seen after the game, pregame, talking to John Lynch, talking to Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of saying, or what is rumored to be saying, bring me here, come get me. And ever since then, Ever since the Niners did indeed try to trade for Odell Beckham Jr., let me remind you <laughs> that when Odell was on the trading block, the Niners at the point had the number two overall pick uh, and they did not want to move that pick to get Odell Beckham. Now again, then he went to the Browns and history is history. And you can look back and say, well, they started the traded for Odell Beckham. It is what it is, but now we're here. Odell Beckham is 29 years old. Not a bad age for a receiver. He's still technically in the prime of his career. Now you can argue that maybe on the downward trend seeing his last few years, definitely has injury history, which is why he has indeed, or did indeed last year miss half of the season. And has never really seemed to be himself from year two in Cleveland throughout this season on top of it. And the question is, should he come to San Francisco. Again, has all this history of Odell Beckham wants to be a Niner. The Niners reached out to the uh, the Giants at the time trying to trade for Odell. And now we're at a point where the Niners could acquire Odell Beckham Jr., who has had really a downward trend in Cleveland, and maybe get him for cheaper than they could have a couple years ago. Acquire a true... I don't want to say number one receiver, but a true number two receiver if they can get the best out of him still. And if you need a reference point, try to Randy Moss, Odell Beckham Jr. And what I mean by that is take Randy Moss when he was in Minnesota, got traded to the Viking, uh, to the, the Raiders, excuse me, uh, and was awful, didn't play well. Then was moved to New England, and it revamped his entire career. He had the record-breaking season with the Patriots. That is one thing the Niners could look to do: get a receiver that has all the physical talent in the world. But it really wasn't a fit in Cleveland, despite uh, maybe a an organization looking to bring someone of his caliber into the building. It just never seemed to work. And in San Francisco, the question now becomes: Would bringing in someone like Odell Beckham actually work? And from a talent perspective, I think any team would technically say yes. I think you bring in a, a player of Odell Beckham Jr.'s caliber, at least physically. Any team would say, that is a receiver, that is a player I want on my team. The issue is, you're not just getting the physical essence of Odell Beckham Jr. You're getting everything that comes with him. And it doesn't mean everything that comes with him is technically... His fault. Is it his fault technically that his dad's posting videos on Instagram saying, my kid's open, you're just not targeting him? Not really. Is it uh, it Odell Beckham's fault that LeBron James is posting free Odell and John Moran is posting free Odell? No, that's not his fault. Now, you can argue that, well, Odell is close with his father, obviously, and LeBron James and him are close to Cleveland icons or at least two superstars in their own Field and have ties to Cleveland that they're close. Uh, Yes, you can obviously you know connect the dots and say maybe Odell is trying to speak through these other people or has at least voiced his opinion uh, of maybe uh, dislike to Cleveland to his friends and family, and now they are becoming vocal about it. But here's the thing: in the Niners' offense, where they've had a hard time targeting George Kittle. Had a hard time targeting Brandon Ayuk. Really, have had a hard time getting the passing offense going. There is an argument to make that, well, why would you bring in another receiver, another weapon, when you have a hard time targeting uh, the All-Pro talent you already have on your offense? Now, the other side of that is, well, why wouldn't you look to take advantage of a situation of another team's trash is our gold? And I think those are two valid arguments to make here in I do want to look at the entire perspective of why wouldn't you want to take someone of a reclamation project in Odell Beckham, where he has five 1,000 plus yard years under his belt. He's had 12 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns, and 10 touchdowns in his first three years in the NFL had bad quarterback, bad quarterback play (laughs) following that, excuse me there. uh, And has really never reached his ceiling or been able to match his career highs, despite being at the age of 29 and 28 the past two years in Cleveland. And the fit in Cleveland was always kind of a question mark, but at the time it did make sense. Now it becomes, is San Francisco's offense a fit? Is Odell Beckham someone Kyle Shanahan can use? And the answer is technically yes. Odell Beckham is not just a deep threat receiver, which many fans seem to think he is for whatever reason— Odell Beckham is actually great when it comes to Yak. He can run slant routes. He can bust coverages on the inside and break them outside. And he can run routes over the middle. He can do exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants him to do in the offense physically. And let me ask you a question. Knowing Kyle Shanahan, knowing John Lynch... Can you name one person they have either brought in or kept that, one, had amazing physical ability, but two, also came with a certain degree of, I guess you can say for lack of better words, baggage? In my opinion, I think facts would back this up. They got rid of people that had baggage. Reuben Foster, done. They cut their ties. It, that was one of their biggest mistakes, and they made sure to cut ties with him after year one. With all the all the issues surrounding him, they said, we're dumb, we can't do this. You are not going to be a detriment to our team. So, and again, obviously I'm not comparing what Reuben Foster did to what Odell Beckham Jr. has been doing, or has done in the past, or what his family has said on social media. But why would Kyle Shanahan want to bring someone in like that? Someone who not only brings small, off-the-field antics, well, maybe not himself personally, but friends, his family who are disagreeing with Kyle Shanahan. Like, take what Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad did, and now put Kyle Shanahan, the stubborn, I'm an offensive genius, I do not want my players to play out of the box, usually, head coach, and now take what Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad did, on social media, pointing out, well, my son's open, my kid's open. It's not his fault. He's not getting stats and targets and touches. It's the quarterback's fault. It's the head coach's fault. And I don't really think that's a receiver. Those are the antics Kyle Shanahan's going to want. Now, we all know Kyle Shanahan never likes to be questioned, really. Uh, You can see when the media questions him, not not that he tenses up, but he's kind of, he kind of sticks his nose up to a certain degree of like, okay, like, I don't need you guys questioning me. I'm here, so I don't get fined, really. Like, I I have to answer your questions, but you aren't really qualified to ask the questions you're asking. You're asking them from a fan perspective or from from a journalism perspective, which I respect completely. I went to school for that stuff. But you really aren't qualified to ask questions from an offensive genius head coach, offensive coordinator point of view. I don't think he's going to want... Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad calling him out on Twitter or LeBron James's uh, Twitter account uh, hitting a billion likes because o- uh, LeBron tweeted free Odell uh, when he's in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan's not going to want that. That is not a player John Lynch would even come to Kyle and go, is it really worth the risk? Like, do you want to be questioned in three weeks when Odell has two targets against the Rams or against the Texans later in the year? Like, that's not a player they're going to want to bring in in San Francisco. And on top of that, and this is really the main reason why I would not want to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. to San Francisco, is despite everything he can do physically, despite all of the talent and physical traits and the ability to extend plays and make this offense better for me, at least on paper standpoint, a physical standpoint. The last reason and the main reason I would ever want to bring Odell Beckham Jr. in to this Niners locker room is really one reason, and that's Brandon Ayuk. He was not seeing targets or maybe getting the playing time you would expect from a former first-round pick is due to, I guess in quotes, his work ethic. Uh, Kyle Shanahan talked about uh, the the little uh, trackers they have, for how how fast they're running during practice, kind of how hard they're pushing themselves during practice, were not where they expected Brandon Ayukes to be. And not to say that Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't practice hard or whatnot, but you have a receiver who is already kind of going through it mentally. All the physical ability is there in Brandon Ayuk, but mentally, maybe the effort, maybe the work ethic was not where it needed to be for Kyle Shanahan's standards. And now certain fans and maybe certain media pundits and maybe certain people out there think it's the best fit want to implement a receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. that brings in off-the-field antics. That brings in maybe not a lack of work ethic, but what could cause a distraction for Brandon Ayuk, which could cause maybe, I don't want to say issues... But it could cause someone like Brandon Ayuk, who is seemingly back on track, back on uh, the path he needs to be to be a star in this league. People want to bring in Odell Beckham Jr., which could potentially, if things go awry like they have in Cleveland, could potentially harm that progress Ayuk has made by the antics off the field. By maybe being a mentor to him, but also maybe Ayuk sees what Odell Beckham Jr.'s father and his friends have done on social media. Maybe they see the antics he's done on the field kicking nets and throwing tantrums. Again, Odell hasn't done that in a long time, but those are examples of things that you would not likely want to bring around a receiver who mentally and work ethic-wise and effort-wise seems to be on track. Why would you want to bring in someone who, again, not saying it will happen, but it is potentially harmful to bring in a receiver When you've invested in uh, a first-round pick and traded up for Brandon Ayuk and he came out and had a great rookie season and struggled this year to kind of find his place, find himself in the offense, like Jimmy Garoppolo said this week on 95-7 the game, why would you want to potentially detour that and kind of push him back on track by not only, one, reducing his targets, knowing OBJ wants to be targeted heavily in any offense he chooses to be in, but also reducing Brandon Ayuk's targets, and also maybe giving him somewhat of a bad influence if OBJ is dissatisfied with how Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo in the Niners' offense is using him and implementing him if they do bring him in to San Francisco's offense. Again, not the. Uh, not, I'm not saying that's going to happen or it will happen, but. There, are, there is potentially more bad than good that can come with bringing in Odell Beckham Jr., despite how amazing that talent is. And I understand the want and desire to have someone of his caliber, his namesake, having a star receiver in the building with Debo's having a career year, a healthy George Kittle, having three legit wide receivers sounds amazing in San Francisco. It'd arguably be the first time they've had three legit receivers since maybe Sanders and Bourne and Samuel, but I would even go back way before that. 2000s, T.O., J.J. Stokes. There are plenty of other teams and examples of players like Odell Beckham Jr. not panning out due to off the field antics, due to bad influences. I understand the want to have a Randy Mosk-esque reclamation project with Odell. And sometimes numbers can lie, but Ball does not lie. And I have a good feeling that while Odell might be productive and we might sell, it was a great move in hindsight. I don't think signing Odell Beckham Jr., if he does, or if he indeed does clear waivers would be the smartest move for San Francisco who seemingly has found their rhythm offensively. Why would you want to maybe jeopardize a receiver like Brandon Ayuk by bringing in a receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. that could detour and kind of push this offense off the rails if things do go awry like it did later in his New York tenure and throughout his Cleveland Brown tenure? I just really don't see it happening I don't see the Niners shelling out the money he might want, uh, but I will tell you this. If the Niners do indeed want to sign Odell Beckham Jr., and and I I will leave the Odell Beckham Jr. conversation here. If they do want to sign Odell Beckham Jr., the only way I will be satisfied with it is if it is a one-year deal, cheap, prove-it deal for Odell. I don't want big money. He won't get big money. Production's down. He's had injuries. Logically, he's not going to uh, get $8 million on the open market. He'll get three or four, maybe even two, depending on his mentality, depending on his or how he values himself. So, again, I will only accept or really want Odell Beckham Jr. if it's a one-year prove-it deal, very cheap, kind of a, you have a role, here's your role, this is what you're going to execute day in, day out. Uh, We don't want to hear any complaining, and we're not going to deal with you jeopardizing uh, what we've traded up to acquire Ayuk and what we're trying to build here with Lance and Debo and Kittle and even Jimmy and Ayuk in this offense, who are not going to be what derails what we're trying to do here in San Francisco. So I would not touch Odell Beckham Jr., I understand the want and desire to bring someone in like Odell, but at this point in time, being week nine in, in the NFL season, we're past the trade block. We are past the trade deadline. Uh, it's time to now focus on the remaining or the remaining uh, games this year, and that starts with the Arizona Cardinals game. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals come into this game seven and one on the season. They lost to the Green Bay Packers. Last week in uh, in prime time on Thursday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers uh, lost his tight end halfway through that game. Didn't have Devontae Adams. Uh, it was a very hamstrung Packers team. They went into Arizona and they beat the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray got hurt. DeAndre Hopkins still nursing a hamstring injury. Uh, definitely plenty of things that are not currently going right for the Cardinals. But with that said, there are a lot of things that... I guess, and, and and I hate using injuries as to you know spin it positively, but uh, there are plenty of things that are going the Niners' way. You could say uh, Kyler Murray, from what is being reported, is unlikely to play on Sunday. Now that is a huge loss. Kyler Murray this year is an MVP candidate. He is one of the best quarterbacks in football this year so far, completing seventy-two point seven, so pretty much seventy-three. Percent of his passes, almost 2,400 yards through the air, averaging almost nine yards per attempt. He's has 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He has been one of the better quarterbacks, not to mention on the ground in 49 attempts, 147 yards, three touchdowns. He has 20 touchdowns this year to seven interceptions. Now, again, does have seven fumbles, but lost none of those. So, There is a turnover issue with him, but he's young, he's mobile. Those things do come with the territory. But Kyler Murray may not and likely will not play on Sunday, which means we're going to likely see Colt McCoy. Yes, uh, pride of Texas University, Hook'em Horns, former Cleveland Cleveland Brown, the second former Cleveland Brown we talked about, uh, also a former San Francisco 49er in 2013, also a Washington football team at the time, Redskin quarterback, and also a New York Giant backup last year in 2020. Uh, but in, in his career, Colt McCoy, who likely is a quarterback we're going to see on Sunday against the Cardinals at Levi Stadium, in the 30 games he has started, he has an 8-22 record. In the 44 games he has played in his career, a 60.7 comp percentage He's averaging 645 yards uh per season which he starts 4.4 yards per season but it is roughly roughly 146.7 yards per game. He in his 30 touchdown passes 28 interceptions he will turn the ball over. He's also sacked 8.7% of the time. So definitely a downgrade, a very obvious one just for names-wise. Kyler Murray to Cole McCoy is in itself a downgrade, but uh, stat-wise, obviously a big, big downgrade on what this Cardinals offense can do, and they are one of the best offenses in football. They are a number-two passing offense in the NFL this year, but on top of that, on top of uh, possibly being limited at the quarterback position, they also may not have their number-one and number-two receivers this year. They may lose... 64 receptions alone, which leads the team. DeAndre Hopkins has a hamstring injury, and A.J. Green has or is on the current COVID-19 list, Uh, and it doesn't look like either one of them will also play on Sunday, or at least Hopkins uh, will be limited, but we got a report today that Murray and Hopkins are unlikely to play on Sunday versus the Niners. That is big losses. That's 10 total touchdowns through the air. That's roughly a hundred and what? Uh, roughly hundred and seventeen yards per game through the air. Not going to be on the field. That's over two hundred yards of yak. Not going to be on the field on Sunday. That's roughly fourteen and fifteen yards per catch on average. Not going to be on the field on Sunday for the Cardinals. Now, I'm not going to say this offense is going to be awful because. Cliff Kingsbury, for all his faults, for all his coaching uh, mismanages and mismanagements, he's not a good coach, but they, they are an offense that can win without their guys. But they do struggle at times during the year. Kyler Murray's gotten hurt plenty of times. And the Niners also held Kyler Murray to his worst game against them the last time they played the Cardinals in Arizona. A few weeks back when Trey Lance made his starting debut... Uh, Their offense was stagnant. Of course, Niners did lose that game, but it was close the entire time. Niners really should have won that game in Arizona. And now you're telling me they're not going to have Murray. They're not going to have Hopkins. They're not going to have A.J. Green. You're taking away their top three offensive weapons, and they also don't have Max Williams, who, uh, despite maybe his limited receiver abilities, he's a phenomenal blocker. And what he can do... At the tight end position now, I understand they did go acquire Zach Ertz, who is a big name and can add a lot of versatility to their offense so far in two games with Arizona. Seven catches, nine targets, already over 100 yards and one touchdown. So definitely someone to look out for. But you take away the quarterback, an MVP caliber quarterback this far, take away not only the quarterback, but also the backup quarterbacks, now two top offensive weapons. And now the Niners are going to have to guard Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and Zach Ertz, and uh, I believe it's Anthony or Antoine, excuse me, Antoine Wesley. That ha- has to heavily favor San Francisco. And the betting line for this game it started out as a uh, minus two and a half favoring the Cardinals prior to really knowing if Murray and Hopkins and Green were going to play. But now San Francisco, this game is totally flipped, and now they're favored by minus one. So this game is, again, not heavily favoring San Francisco, but when you get a three-point flip, a a three-and-a-half, four-point flip like that, uh, it is a big change. Vegas is now saying San Francisco, even with a limited quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, the Snyder's team should win this game. Again, going to be close, only a minus one favorite. Doesn't always mean it's going to end up like that, right? It doesn't always mean this game is going to be like this. Uh, But definitely everything is now falling in San Francisco's favor. And we talked about uh, this past week following the Bears win, where this is the perfect time for San Francisco to get back into the thick of the NFC playoff picture. I talked about prior to the Bears game where, look, if you lose this game, you're kind of punting on the season. You'd be 2-5 and five at this point. Uh, if you had lost to Chicago, Trey Lance would likely be the starter. But they won against Chicago. The offense played phenomenal. It was their best offensive outing since the Saints game in 2019. They had the, their their most biggest plays, or, or, or their, the, the most amount of chunk plays they've had since that Saints game. Debo Samuel, over 150 yards on the air. No touchdowns, but many big plays. Uh, Elijah Mitchell had a phenomenal game. Averaged seven yards on the ground against the Bears. Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo... Over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns on the ground. This offense seems to be rolling again. We talked about not wanting to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. because it could impact Brandon Ayuk negatively. Well, Brandon Ayuk looks to be back on track. Kyle Shanahan said today that, uh, and even Brandon Ayuk said it too that uh, they kind of have had. They they've been talking a lot that there has kind of been this somewhat of a mentorship where it really wasn't the doghouse. It was more of like, you're not playing up to par and we're not going to accept that here. And that's kind of what it seems like where it was always more of a, we have a standard, you need to follow it. And it looks like Ayuk and even Shanahan after uh, the, the win against Chicago said like, Ayuk, you know, great game, great punt blocking or great punt return, excuse me, great great run blocking. And that relationship was never soured. It was always about we have a standard and we need you to live up to it. We know what you can be as a receiver. And now it seems like Ayuk is now starting to kind of get back on track. Uh, offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel mentioned it today in his uh, press conference where Ayuk is back on track, back on the path we believe he needs to be on to be successful. So you give me a, a again, a head coach working in lockstep with his quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, that rhythm seems to be back. The running game, despite Elijah Mitchell being limited with a rib injury, uh, he will likely play, but Jim Michael Hasty and Trey Sermon are also in the mix there. But again, Trey Sermon's probably not going to play. We haven't seen him play much. Uh, Jeff Olsen Jr. is on the, the track of returning back, might return next week against the Rams. Uh, they'll probably take it slow with, slower with him, knowing the injury he has to his knee. Uh, but, The bigger news is George Kittle is likely going to be back. So the Cardinals are out, their quarterback, their two top receivers, and their top-blocking tight end. The Niners, to a certain degree, are getting back their entire offense, if you could say. Uh, For, uh, again, not really talking injuries here, but, again, Jimmy seems to be back one game. Still has to kind of prove that to us, at least as fans, and kind of prove that uh, versus the Cardinals on Sunday. But also... Mitchell had a great game against the Bears. Debo Samuel has been Debo Samuel. He did re-aggravate the ankle injury, uh, but they're going to take it slow with him. He will likely play on Sunday against the Cardinals. Uh, Trent Williams looks to be fully healthy. Again, had a great game. Only allowed one pressure on Sunday against the Bears. And again, J.J. Watt's not playing this week against the Niners because he's out for the season. For the Cardinals, so everything seems to be kind of favoring San Francisco at this point. George Kittle back off the IR, likely to be activated tomorrow for Sunday's game. Uh, He looks to be fresh. Uh, He has talked about, I cannot wait to go out there and hit someone again. Football is my life. I cannot wait to be back on the gridiron again, hitting someone, catching footballs, and making an impact on Sunday's. Brandon Ayuk, I told you last week or this past Monday actually that getting him back in rhythm, getting him back in the path needed for him to be successful is like acquiring a receiver at the deadline. You're practically getting an entire new receiver at the deadline if Ayuk can now be a a pivotal point or a pivotal piece of this offense going forward that also allows a Sanu field to kind of fill in the number three role where they really should be, where they're more comfortable being. It also allows guy like uh, guys like Ross Dwelly and Charlie Warner to kind of play that number two blocking tight end role for Kittle when he is going out as a receiver. And so again, injuries galore on the Cardinal side, but I don't want to say you know healthy all the way on San Francisco side, but there are. A lot of improvements due to people getting healthy again for the 49ers. And I want to talk about really where the Niners can exploit this Cardinals team. And we talked about it a while back where it's going to be hard to limit the Cardinals through the air. But that was with Kyler Murray. Their number two ranked passing offense is with Kyler Murray. Well, if it's Colt McCoy, they're likely not going to be the number two passing offense in football. This is a team who is going to have to kind of reorganize and kind of scheme differently against this defense. Cole McCoy is really not a mobile quarterback. That's going to help San Francisco. Knowing D Ford's back injuries are starting to creep back up and he's likely not going to play, or at least if he does play, will be limited. Knowing guys like Nick Bosa and Simpson Ebucom are not going to have to contain the edge too much or a lot of the time for the Cardinals helps. Having uh, Aziz Alshair back playing linebacker helps not only with the containment, but also in pass coverage. Now, losing guys like Jimmy Ward definitely hurts. But Tavon Wilson played solid enough safety for me to say, well, if they're not going to have Hopkins, they're not going to have A.J. Green, and they're not going to have Murray, Tavon Wilson should be just fine playing free safety on Sunday against the Cardinals. And again, Norman's healthy. Lenore should be back. Again, may not be active due to whatever reason they got going on in San Francisco uh, in regards to rookies not playing, but Lenore should be back. He had a baby with his girlfriend uh, this last week, which is why he wasn't there in Chicago. Congrats to him. He should be back. Uh, Manuel Mosley's healthy. This team, again, is relatively healthy on defense. Nick Bosa had a great game, five—excuse four total sacks last week against the Bears. I would expect similar numbers against the Cardinals, unless, and this is one thing, I do think Cliff Kingsbury might try to deploy against the Niners. We saw it a few years ago in 2019 uh, when the Niners and Rams played at Levi's where Sean McVay said, we're going to do quarterback boots where they're going to roll out and they're going to kind of buy themselves a few more seconds, get get outside the tackles, eliminate the pressure of a collapsing pocket, and again, help the offense get open, design plays towards the sideline, and run the football effectively. Now, I think Cliff Kingsbury could do that, but also he can design screens for guys like Christian Kirk, Chase Edmonds, Rondell Moore, who seem to be, uh, maybe that role fits them even more. But I do think on Sunday you're going to see screen passes. You're not going to see a, a highly-powered, deep-throwing offense of the Cardinals. Now, they'll take a shot here or two, just to keep you honest, and Cole McCoy is not afraid to do so. But there's a reason why Cole McCoy is 8-22 and when his quarterback starts. I don't care if he was in Cleveland or New York or in Washington. He's not a good quarterback. He's a fine backup quarterback in case your quarterback gets hurt and needs to come in. But he hasn't played that much this year. Now, again, a veteran for pretty much a decade. He knows football. He knows the NFL. He is a fine quarterback. But he's not a starter for a reason. Not a, He's he's not going to blow you away on Sunday. He's a limited quarterback that will play likely smart football. He will take plenty of sacks. Plenty of sacks. Again, an 8.7 sack rate. He will also turn the ball over. A 2.8 interception rate. Not big, But he's not going to average 8 yards through the air. He's not going to run it for 100 yards. He's not going to do that. And if he's playing on Sunday, he's going to give you a chance to get the ball back. And guys like Talanoa Hufunga, knowing uh, A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins are likely not going to play, knowing they're not going to have the deep playability, uh, the Cardinals won't, Guys like Tal Hufunga, they can play in the box more. They can stack the box more against a quarterback like him because the Cardinals are likely going to have to use the middle of the field. And guys like Fred Warner and Alshair, they can eliminate guys like Zach Ertz. And again, I'm not expecting a perfect game from the Niners defense. It's not going to be a blowout. But the Niners have their offense offensive rhythm. The defense played well enough on Sunday. Again, this defense is not great. This Niners defense is not a great defense. It's really not. Now, you can look at the stats and go, well, they only allow, really, the third most passing yards per game. They are far better against the pass, surprisingly against the run. And the Cardinals' defense, which is relatively healthy, they have the number two defense in football, they have the number four team against the pass. So this is really going to be a defensive matchup as to which, which offense kind of scores first. Which team, which offense is able to kind of crack the defense first and score. And I I would be dumb to bet against a Kyle Shanahan-led offense that is healthy and seems to be in rhythm again. It seems to have found their groove again. But the one place I think that really both teams can be exploited and I kind of downplayed the impact of Javon Kinlaw and maybe that was a mistake on my part because uh, Khalil Herbert totally torched the Niners' run defense on Sunday. And let's be clear, the Niners' run defense kind of sucks. It's really not great. 127 yards a game they're allowing on the ground, 890 yards on the season. And this is really an area where guys like uh, Chase Edmonds for the Cardinals, who is having a fairly decent year on the ground, averaging 5.7 yards per carry. This is a place where he can be effective. Guys like James Conner, who had a touchdown against us last or a couple weeks ago when we, when we played the Cardinals, this is a place where they can be effective. This is a place where guys like Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk, they can kind of be tricky with what they want to do in the running game and in screen passes. This is a place where the Niners can be exploited alongside the Cardinals, who, again, still are not great against the run, but somewhere more towards middle of the pack. Cardinals this year, 120 yards per game on the ground allowed 961 yards allowed this year so these teams are fairly comparable in regards to defensive production and what they do well on the defensive side of the football it really comes down to again which offense and my money's on San Francisco's offense which offense is able to be more efficient more consistent who's able to convert on on third downs in this game who's able to put together long drives and control the clock. The one thing I loved that the Niners did against the Cardinals a couple weeks back was they controlled the clock. Again, made some mistakes, had some three and outs, but they played a relatively clean game against the Cardinals outside of Lance's interception on the first drive of the game. They played a clean game. They got turnovers when they needed some. They just couldn't get the ball in the end zone. That's always been kind of their issue this year. Of when they get in the red zone, they can get the ball in the end zone. But the trouble has been getting in the red zone. Well, last week they put together three scoring drives consecutively. Those are things that put other teams away. Those are things that seal wins for your team. And my money has to be on the Niners this week. Now, again, the betting line is the Niners are the favorite by. One point. They are a minus one uh, point favorite. But this is a chance for the Niners to beat a 7-1 team. A team who is 4-0 on the road this year in the Cardinals. This is a perfect game for San Francisco. And I I could care less. Well, the Cardinals don't have their quarterback. Well, the Cardinals don't have their their, their, their receivers. I don't care. You play to win the game. Last year, the Niners were beat up by injuries. Beat up, destroyed. We all know the story. Like 21 guys on IR, $50 million, $100 million on IR last year. This is now their chance to, again, hate injuries, hope these guys get healthy soon. They're great athletes on both sides of the ball for the Cardinals and for the Niners for that sake. But now it's time for us to capitalize on another team's misfortune. That's the way the NFL goes. It is a ruthless league you're hurt, sometimes you get cut. You're hurt, sometimes you have to lose a game because your quarterback can't play. That's the NFL. This is football. And the football gods are, uh, thankfully, seemingly siding with the Niners this week, and it looks to be a perfect game for the Niners to become 1-3 at home this season, get back to 4-4 four and four on the year they could be tied for a playoff spot could be in the seven seed, six seed in the NFC playoff picture if they do win on Sunday and certain teams lose. This could also be the best chance for this team to become, again, two in 11 in their last 13 home games and get their first home win since October of 2020. It's been over a year. It's about time they get their first home win at Levi Stadium in a really long time. And if you're asking me who wins this game on Sunday, my prediction for Sunday, I think it's going to be 27-17. to Again, going to be a defensive game, but I do expect Arizona to play well enough to stay in this game, but I do also expect the Niners to play solid football on both sides of the ball. There might be a turnover here and there. That's how Jimmy G plays. Could be a fumble. Who knows? If Elijah Mitchell can't play, the Niners may have to win via the passing game. That's what the Cardinals want you to do. Uh, And again, not having J.J. Watt opposite of McGlinchey or Williams is going to help, but Zach Allen's still there. Chandler Jones is still there. Isaiah Simmons is still there. Zavan Collins, who is limited in practice this week for the Cardinals, may or may not play, but if he does play, he's still there. Baron Murphy, a solid cornerback, is still there. They have a good team in Arizona. A team that I didn't take seriously, really. A team who I thought was another year away. A team that I thought, Cliff Kingsbury, probably going to get fired this year. They didn't do things right. Well, now they're doing things right. But this Sunday is a, I don't want to say a get right game, but it is a game to continue the momentum the Niners had in Chicago and carry it over into the rest of the season. The Niners, I think, do win on Sunday, 27-17. I think they do win two games in a row. I think we see Jimmy G throw two touchdowns, maybe. Probably know maybe he has no rush, uh, no passing touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns, for all I care. I think it's a game where Ayuk has a somewhat of impact. Maybe he gets in the end zone this week. It's a game where I think Kittle is probably more of a blocker than a receiver. Could watch out in the red zone for Kittle. That's always a big thing. Uh, He makes defenses circle him in the red zone. Might be a game where Juszczyk gets in the end zone, or it could be a game where we sit there and go, Trey Lance is running Trey Packages in the red zone. He's healthy again. Should be ready to go. Should be 100%. We could see Trey Packages. The Cardinals had a hard time stopping him a few weeks back. It wasn't because... The Cardinals played against our or, or matched up against our offense well enough. It was because the Niners' offense kept failing itself. And again, they're back in rhythm now. They they have themselves momentum. I think 27 17 is where this game should be around. It could be 27 20 with like a late game field goal from the Cardinals, but I really do believe 27 17. I have been right uh, with the Cardinals' game. I was right with the Bears' game. I'm hoping I can be 3 0 in my last three weeks. In predictions, but I do want to talk about one other thing, and that is Charles Amenahue, the 49ers defensive lineman they acquired from the Houston Texans for a 2023 6th round pick, and this is where we're going to end today's show, he's like 6'5", 280 pounds, he can play on the outside, he can play on the inside, he gives this team versatility, he's under contract for next year as well as this year. I know fans are like, oh, we didn't get Bob Miller. Charles Amenahieu, again, he's not Bob Miller. I'm not going to lie to you there. But he has a similar pressure rate to that of Nick Bosa. So what does that tell you? The Niners bought low for a player. They believe they can uh, win high, I guess you could say. Buy low, win high. That's what they do. It's it's the Farhan Zaidi model of uh, baseball carried over into football. It, it's a money ball... A version of, or the money, the football version of Moneyball, excuse me. Uh, it's, it's what the Patriots have been doing for decades. It's why they've been so dominant for a long time. They maximize players with that uh, are maybe a write-off elsewhere. Many who is has been a healthy and active the last two weeks. The Niner said we can work with a guy who has a pressure rate that that equals that of Nick Bosa, especially with Javon Kinlaw out and D Ford still dealing with injuries it is the perfect guy to bring into San Francisco to help aid this defense in hopes they can make a stretch deeper into the season, knowing they're going to have to play the Rams two more times and coming up next week against the Rams on top of that, but also for a stretch run. If D. Ford can't play, you need to have someone that can help Ebukam and can help Armstead play the style of football he wants to play, put him in the right positions to be effective on defense, he can play inside. He can play outside. And Charles Menahue, I think, is I'm not going to call him the perfect fit, but he's a really good fit for what the Niners. Want to do defensively to try to get pressure against defenses, or excuse me, against the offenses. He's solid enough against the run, but much better against the pass. I think it was a great trade. Again, they bought low in hopes they can work with him, and hopefully, and it seems like he can be again. I'm not going to call him the perfect fit, but he can be a great fit. Next to Ebukam and Bosa, if all things work together, work as planned. So, again, no one Odell Beckham Jr. I love the Charles who trade, and I do think the Niners win on Sunday, 27-17. To follow who's going to be active, who's going to be inactive, you are going to want to follow us on social media, Instagram at 49ers.access, Twitter at 49ers.access, underscore access, you are not going to want to miss an update. And before we leave today's show, before you wrap up today's show, before you follow us on social media, I do want to point out two things that congratulations to Buster Posey on a phenomenal, phenomenal career with the San Francisco Giants. You were my favorite player for a decade. I grew up watching you. I know exactly where I was in my life, where I was sitting, who was jumping into my arms in high school when you hit that Grand Slam against the Cincinnati Reds in 2012 in the NLDS? Again, phenomenal run, three World Series championships, an MVP, a seven-time All-Star. I watched your entire press conference today. It almost brought me to tears. All the memories I have, a phenomenal career with the Giants. Congratulations on that. Uh, you you captivated an entire city, an entire state, an entire Bay Area uh, baseball fans you brought families together uh, and you allow them to cheer cohesively as one unit you brought magic you made us never stop believing and you are forever a san francisco giant in my heart and the heart of hundreds of thousands if not millions of giants fans across the globe and across the nation and the other thing i wanted to talk about before we left today's show was I really appreciate all the love and support I received for the last couple episodes of the podcast. Again, that stuff means so much to me. Knowing just one of you are listening out there to what I have to say in my Niner Takes and having the ability to discuss with you guys, whether you're a girl, you're a guy, you're all part of the faithful to me. And just knowing that we have talked, we've DM'd, we've talked in Twitter uh, threads, whatever they may be. Uh, knowing that you guys listen and we share the same views or we disagree i love all that stuff i love the open discussions we get to have and i really really appreciate the support that has come through the last few podcast episodes in regards to trey lance and L. beckham jr and and kyle shanahan all that stuff means so much to me, and I do not want to let that go by without making remarks in regards to that stuff. You guys are awesome. <laughs> you, uh, Knowing it, and seeing the, the listens and likes go up every single week just means so, so much to me. You guys are awesome. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, on Sunday, we are celebrating another San Francisco 49ers victory. Hopefully, the Niners get their first win in over a year at home at Levi Stadium. It's been too long. Way too long. But I cannot wait for Sunday's game against the Cardinals. It's going to be a very fun game. Probably going to be a lot of drama, a lot of nail-biting action. But on Sunday, I'm looking forward to celebrating another victory with you guys on the podcast. And I cannot wait to talk about that game against the Cardinals coming up on Sunday. Again, you guys are awesome. And before we go, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. Tell your friends about this podcast and until next time my name is sterling bennett don't forget to like share subscribe and leave that review this has been the ford vander access podcast and stay faithful